Welcome to the Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, my co-host Aaron Dugan. You can follow us on the Twitters at Braden Gall and... At the Aaron Dugan. At the Aaron Dugan, of course. Uh, at, where's the Instagram account? Aaron underscore Dugan. It's not fun to say, but that's what it is. Well, but that's where you're more active, right? Where people are going to... Much. Okay. There you have it. I'm not on Instagram much at all. I, I try to do things. I fail miserably. Chris Childers is our special guest today on the show. We're going to hear from Aaron Murray a little bit later on as we talk Tennessee and Georgia. Christopher, how are you, sir? Host of Full Ride on Sirius XM ESPNU Radio. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited for what you guys are doing. There's a lot of buzz about it within the industry. So it's, uh, it's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> there is. There <laughs> is. People have been talking. A lot of people have asked me what you're doing and have said Brayton's got his whole like big conglomerate in Nashville. It's cool. There, there's many people talking about it, Aaron. <laughs> many just they, well, people are asking me. People like um, Aaron Murray was asking me about it. New Heisel, I guess, caught wind of it. He was asking me about it. Uh, I think Chris Doring brought it up because uh, he was on, right? Doring was on your show. He was. Yeah, so I mean, there, that's three people. That's buzz. <laughs> Aaron Murray's like, should I do it or not? Yeah, Aaron, what? You're you're our uh, senior buzz correspondent. What uh, what quali- does three people qualify as buzz? I think as long as one of them isn't one of our parents, yes. <laughs> Who I believe was our first review. On and those show. guys are like, you know, Chris Doring's the all-time uh, TD catch receiving leader in the SEC. Aaron Murray was five yards away from a national title but did typical Georgia things. Uh, and who was the other guy we mentioned? Oh, yeah, your co-host. It was somebody noteworthy. <laughs> yeah, your co-host. Oh, New Heisel, yeah. <laughs> well, he doesn't matter. No, he doesn't. He um, hasn't done much. Not in the SEC, anyway. But the other uh, guys have done. I mean, they're bona fide. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, so, obviously, we plan to in, enjoy ourselves this evening. Uh, on, on a, We're taping at night, which is new for us, Aaron. We haven't done this before in our second episode. Uh, so, things could get loose. It's special. Yeah. Things could get loose. Braden made himself a drink and didn't make me one. So whatever. Is that what rude? kind of cordial? I mean, you guys are in the same room. I can see you. You are properly social distance, which I appreciate seeing. Yeah. I'm glad nice. you're not breaking proper CDC protocol. But why would you not give her a drink? I, that's what I'm at. Is that rude of me not to give her? A if, absolutely. If she's a guest in your home. Well, I have. I've got a bell here. If I ring it, the, my wife will come and yell at me. So I, she could. Probably, I could probably ask her for a drink after she's done yelling. You want me to do that? I don't know. I just want you to think about someone besides yourself. Mm. Chris, is that possible? Mm, it can. I've seen it a couple times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk SEC. You have that potential. <laughs> I'm a five-star carer. That's what I am. Yes. I, I could care about people, but I choose not to because people suck. So anyway. Uh, all right. Top tier in the SEC. This is very surface level conversation. I want to hear from you guys on because mm-hmm. I think there's, we've talked about it on the show, Aaron, lots of losing left to do in, in every conference in America. And I do believe that after watching two weeks of football, that I know there's big games coming up this weekend and we're going to talk about them, but Alabama, Florida, and Georgia feel like they're separate from everybody else. And in particular, Alabama feels like it's even further separated from everybody else than I even thought in the beginning of the year. Where are you guys at on, on actual contenders in the SEC Who's legitimately got a chance to actually win the championship and get into the playoff? I think it's those three. I think it's absolutely those three right now. I really kind of like Georgia. And I understand that Stetson Bennett is their quarterback, and that's not exactly something to get too excited about, even though he was solid. I mean, they played Auburn. He was very clean. I thought he was efficient. 
Um, there was a lot to like about his game. I mean, he certainly was up to the task in a big environment against the Auburn Tigers. He had a touchdown pass, no pick. So that's something to like from Stetson Bennett. I, I just have a feeling by year's end, JT Daniels is going to be that guy. I don't know at what point he enters the fold, but I think he's just a lot more talented. I mean, Stetson Bennett, I think, is limited. You know, it, interesting uh, talking to Aaron Murray a couple of weeks ago, who I do that show with in the afternoons on the SEC channel on Sirius XM. Aaron was at um, their last scrimmage before their first game against Arkansas. And he was like, you know, Dewan Mathis is getting all the one reps. Um, JT's not cleared yet. And he said, Stetson Bennett's like running the freshman stuff. Like the freshman guys are trying to get reps with and trying to let those guys, you know, scrimmage against each other. That's who Stetson Bennett was playing quarterback with like three weeks ago. Now we're two games into the season. He saved him against Arkansas when Mathis was ineffective. He played like I just told you pretty clean against Auburn. Uh, they got Tennessee coming up next. The hungry Tennessee uh, t- Tennessee team will see where JT Daniels is. I know from people I've talked to, he's a little bit uh, limited as far as mobility, and he's coming back from a serious injury. I mean, let's keep that in mind. Yeah, he's been clear to play, but at what level? I just think at some point he gives them a spark offensively. They go to the next level there, uh, and defensively they're special. I mean, you, you guys watched them this past weekend against Auburn. They held, held them to six points. Uh, Arkansas couldn't do much of anything the week before. I think that's kind of what you're going to see from that Georgia defense. I mean, that, that that's a carryover from the Sugar Bowl. You saw a lot of guys that were kind of nameless flying around against Baylor, and it's like, damn, that defense is going to be good. We've seen that carryover the first two games. I have no reason to believe that's going to stop. I think that defense will keep them in every game. So I love Georgia, but, you know, you got to give credit to Alabama and Mac Jones, don't you? I mean, that's a team that, had a lot to prove this year. There's no question about it. Uh, now, they haven't been tested too much. They've played Missouri, and uh, this past weekend they played AM, and AM has got its own bag of issues. But Mac Jones looks fantastic. He's got absolute gazelles. I mean, just freakish, athletic, speedy gazelles that get into the open field. It's almost not fair. I mean, Mac Jones will be a star this year because of the talent around him. I mean, as long as you can get those guys the football, you're going to be A-OK if you're a Mac Jones, but damn, I mean, you look at him this past weekend against A&M and Mike Elko guys is getting two and a half mil, I believe to coordinate that defense. And Mac went for uh, 20 to 27, uh, four touchdowns. I think in that game, well over 400 yards, this looked really good. Now I think Alabama needs to look a little bit more balanced as we move forward. Uh, they love throwing the football. That's nice. They're chucking it around. That's all well and good. They're having fun doing it. Max got his confidence up. Uh, a little bit more balanced moving forward, I'd like to see. Uh, we've seen from Kyle Trask what he's been able to do defensively, uh, maybe a little bit behind. Dan Mullins talked about that, where they didn't hit a lot. They didn't tackle a lot. I think they tackled twice leading up to that uh, opening win against Ole Miss since the Orange Bowl win. So that's made them a little bit green on that side, but Trask and Kyle Pitts have been phenomenal. So I really think those three teams are your playoff teams outside of that. I don't know, dudes, if you have anybody else, but I can't think of anybody from a talent perspective. That's going to be able to hang with those three right now. I don't think so either. I last week I did talk about, and I wasn't trying to sell Stetson Bennett short. I was just, you know, he's say, not tall. <laughs> Trying to say that I thought in case short. you do need Mathis again, I thought they pulled Stetson early. I wasn't trying to discredit him in any way. But on that same front, Georgia is obviously very special defensively. We talked about that. But to run with a quarterback that's not 
you know, a star player that's not perfect. Everything else has to be perfect. And I don't think Georgia's offense is has the infallible nature that Alabama's does. They can stick a guy in and like Tyler, you were just saying, if you can get your playmakers the ball, you'll be okay. But you have to be really, really low error-wise to be able to stick a guy like Stetson Bennett in and go all the way there. <laughs> that does feel like you're selling him short, for, for sure. But I think you're accurate, though. I think you're right. There's a reason he was a walk-on and had to leave to go to junior college and then come back. There's a reason he was fourth on the depth chart like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a reason that, that that's what it is. Now, they definitely look calmer and more in control. Like The offense looks more chill and more relaxed like when he's out there mathis has got more upside i'm with you chris i think jt daniels has got more upside and eventually you're gonna need upside to beat bama because guess what they lost the greatest quarterback in the history of arguably alabama football if not the sec outside of maybe joe burrow's season last year and they're just as good if not better with mac jones they lost to a and the offense looks just as good like that to me is is hard to get my head around so I think those three, it's hard. Like, we're going to find out this weekend, right? A&M with Florida. We'll talk about that game, and we'll talk Tennessee and Georgia. I just I just don't know if there's any way anybody's, like, I just don't see anybody cracking through that top three. You may win a game or two. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see how you – you may upset somebody, that, and I think everybody will lose a game, but I don't think you, you've got what it takes to run team schedule. I think it's sad that we're not having this conversation with Texas A&M. I, I really do. I mean – We'll, Not that we'll, I thought it would happen by any stretch of the imagination, but they're investing so much. We'll, we'll get to Jimbo. We'll get to Jimbo. Yeah, it's just like I, I kind of wanted them to be that fourth team, though. You know what I mean? I, I agree, I, but I'd be okay with any fourth team. <laughs> like, oh, well, sure. LSU, Auburn, Tennessee. LSU, yeah. Mississippi State, whoever. Sure. Tennessee. Let's start with Tennessee and Georgia, because before we get to the actual matchup, I, I have one thing I'd like to – I want to see if I I need you guys as friends to tell me if I'm out of line. Oh, we will. I, I'm. I, yeah, that's why I have you guys here because I know you guys will let me know the truth, and I need to know if I'm completely out out in left field, totally wrong on this. If I'm overreacting, if I'm being, I, I don't know what I'm being here on this. Okay. But uh, Tennessee wins a game against maybe the 13th best team in the SEC, Missouri. They look good doing it. The offensive line looks good. The quarterback looks solid. He looks like he knows the system now in year two under the coordinator. All these things. I I know all the things about Tennessee football. Mm -hmm. I immediately open up the Twitter machine, which is probably problem number one in this equation. And I see people asking questions about Tennessee football that make me yank my hair out. These slapdicks on Twitter are sitting there asking questions that have no answers to to either get clicks or get people fired up or to create debate i don't know what the fucking point is of asking is tennessee back on twitter after beating missouri and south carolina i don't understand are they a contender in the east how about you wait seven days and you watch the georgia game am i out of line for thinking that that fans deserve better than those stupid ass questions on twitter after beating a god-awful football team like missouri end of rant so here's the way that I look at it, right? Here's what I think's going on right now. I think there's optimism. I think there's momentum, but I think it's got to be curbed. I mean, yeah, they've won eight in a row, but let's go ahead and look at who they've beat. Now they've won their first two games. They beat Missouri and South Carolina. Go look at who they always beat. And it's it typically, here's the difference. It's a little bit different this year because of COVID and the, and the timing of the schedule, But if you go look at the six-game winning streak from a year ago, and this is the same thing that would routinely happen under Butch Jones. 
they would beat South Carolina. They would beat Kentucky. They would beat Missouri. They'd beat Vanderbilt. And those games would all be in late October, November. So Tennessee would have a winning streak and they'd win eight, nine games and everybody'd pee their pants and they'd play somebody in a bowl game and they'd win. And, and all of a sudden, Butch Jones is the hottest thing since sliced pickles. The same thing is going on with Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt, they, they crapped their pants the first two games of the season. Then they started to pull things together. They won six in a row. But if you go and look at the actual results against teams that are good, Georgia whipped their ass. Florida stomped a hole in them. Alabama, Alabama them. I mean, it, it's just they can't beat good teams. Chris, so for us to say that Tennessee is back, they have to at least play four quarters you're, you're, you're with doing, Georgia this weekend. See, here's the problem. You're doing all the things that I would expect out of a quality media member to do which is talk rationally about the football team on the field and the things that happen on the field that I think fans deserve. And Aaron, my rant is more about the media than it is about the, I think fans are are entitled to get over their skis, excited about whatever the hell they want to. This to me is about media being lazy and asking lazy, stupid questions so that they can figure out a a way to fill time for a week in between a big game. Like I just, I feel like college football fans deserve better than stupid ass questions like that. And I'm sorry that I'm upset about it. It does feel like the media members, including but not limited to potentially the Tennessee based beat writers are not doing a good job at hedging off their emotions and their excitement. um, Just from what they've seen these first two games. Think I think your generation maybe of men in sports journalism <laughs> is settling for cliches. What well, Chris? All right, this is a media question. <laughs> Not my generation. No, it's yeah. Different. Well, I don't know if this is a generational thing. It, the, it, it to me, it's an infrastructure thing at the media. Like, what gets clicks? People yelling at each other. What gets traffic engagement? You know, stupid shit. Like what? What people acting like idiots? What? What? This is to me is a media problem. I, I don't know, Chris. Like you just gave us a really. I mean, good it could e- be a laziness problem as well. I mean, when a team wins two games, and they're on an eight-game winning streak, the easy thing could to the easy thing to say is they're back. When recruiting looks really good during the offseason, the easy thing to say is they're back. That Jeremy Pruitt's got them in the right direction. I, I think a lot of this has to do with Philip Fulmer. I think at the end of the day, there's like some sort of weird force field trust factor within the people there that cover the team and cheer for the team that because Phil's guy is Pruitt, this is going to work. But I mean, the same thing in recruiting, they still didn't get a quarterback. They got everything else. Right. But they still didn't get that. Um, and I'm waiting for that piece. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for that piece. I still don't think Jared Garantano is that special. So with, with Tennessee, you can't make any assertion right now. I think the only thing you can definitively say is that they're a solid middle of the pack team in the league. And we'll see, we'll see if they're able to contend for bigger prizes, but if you beat Missouri, okay, good. You're better than them. If you beat South Carolina, okay, good. I think South Carolina is a decent football team. I think they're improved with Mike Bobo and Colin Hill, that, that package there offensively, not great, but improved. Okay. Win those games. Fine. But Tennessee always beats those teams. So when they won eight games a year ago, were they back? Was it all of a sudden because they beat Indiana in the bowl game? Were they ready to beat Florida or Georgia? The answer is absolutely fucking not. See, see, Chris, you are, and this is the highest compliment I think I can pay somebody in the media. You are incapable of turning into like the dumbest form of media and just falling for the bullshit. Like you, you it's lazy. You can't, you can't analyze football without 
doing it in an intelligent and rational way. And it's why you are so good at what you do. I, I just, I was climbing off the walls, Aaron. I'm with you. It's stupid. I was climbing off the walls. What's well, like is, the Texas shit, is right? Texas in the Big back? 12. Is Miami back? I don't yeah. give a shit. Play Clemson and then we'll talk about it. Exactly. And I, I can't, <laughs> Sorry, speaking I'm, of which, I can't <laughs> wait to watch that game this weekend. We're very worked up, Aaron. Yeah, I, I realize <laughs> Sorry, that. Dudes. I know your feelings are hurt. I get it. Um, people are clicking on it, though, because it's continuing to happen. So maybe you should talk to your fellow Tennessee alumni about why they're clicking on dumb shit. Uh, that is 100% fair. It's 100% fair. And it's not just limited to Tennessee fans. And, and again, I don't have a problem no, with not. I don't have a problem with fans being excited about their team winning games. That's what it's all about. You, you've got a CBS game of the week for Tennessee and Georgia. It, football is better when those two teams are meaningful. But let's talk about how if the offensive line can can challenge defensive Georgia's defensive front. Let's talk about Stetson Bennett and Jarrett Garantano and whose offensive scheme is in better situation. Are you concerned about Jeremy Pruitt's front seven? Why aren't we asking those questions? I think good media members like you, Chris and Aaron, I think we are asking those questions on this show. My, my issue is with the media writ large, where they just the most minimum amount of work to create the dumbest possible questions that we yell at each other. And then all the fans, they buy it hook, line and sinker because they're already revved up. I, I don't know. I'm with you, but you just brought up something profound. And I think it's very uh, important. We talk about it. How awesome is that match going to be? How telling is that matchup? What we are going to be when we see the Tennessee offensive line go against the Georgia front seven? defensively i mean we've seen georgia we've waxed poetic about it they've been incredible two games in completely shut down arkansas stopped bo nicks and auburn and now they go and, and i mean forget the jerry garantano thing just watching in the trenches to see how tennessee's offensive line fares i, I think it's going to be hugely telling that to me from a single matchup perspective that o-line against the front seven of the georgia bulldogs is the absolute unquestioned fascinating matchup this weekend i'm excited all right, and so can they actually run the football, Aaron? There's, there's, there's no real answer to that question. I mean, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday. Get, they didn't have negative, I mean, they didn't have negative yardage last week, but I think that had a lot to do with what the O line was able to do in terms of just pushing. 51 carries is, I wanted to see 50 rushing attempts out of Tennessee last weekend, and they ran it 51 times. Georgia is designed, you'll hear Aaron Murray talk about this later on the show. Georgia is designed to win 27 to six. That's what they're designed to do. Uh-huh. And if you can play that game with them, then you can beat them. But how many teams can play that game with them? Not, Not many. This year. Listen, we'll see. Georgia's a 14-point favorite. I, I would like to believe that Tennessee can keep it close, but I, I just I don't see it yet. Uh, even with Stetson Bennett, I don't see it yet. Do you guys see Tennessee going to Athens? No, and- here, here's the problem with it, guys. I, I worry about the fan base. I worry about the people in the city of Nashville. I worry about the surrounding areas because I, I really feel like there's been a full buy-in. And, and th- this goes back to my, my whole Philip Fulmer theory. So this, this, this Jeremy Pruitt hire is different than Butch Jones. It's different than uh, guys they've had before, Dooley, you know, because this is not a Mike Hamilton hire. This is not a Dave Hart hire. This is a Philip Fulmer guy. Philip Fulmer went and tried to fix whatever the fuck that disaster was with Greg Schiano, And, I mean, just weird and icky and odd and whatever the what i mean just again whatever the fuck that was because it was to me just the most bizarre thing i've ever seen from a coaching uh search perspective ever to the point where like mike leach wanted the job and then got told no and then um the ad gets told to come back i mean it was just weird everything about it was weird but here's the thing it's not one of those guys remind me of the guy's name who uh who is the ad trying to make the hire john, john curry 
John Curry, thank you. So who, who like had, who had, John Curry, who, who had Dan Mullen and Mike Leach technically. Yes, and here we are with Put. Or I mean, with uh, Jeremy well, Pruitt. Well, but Chip Kelly went to UCLA, and Dan Mullen decided to go to Florida the very next day, it's and it's that. having incredible yeah. Yeah. success right now with Florida and Kyle Trask, and it's amazing to see what's going on with Kyle Pitts, etc. But you know, me to me with Tennessee, I think what's different in Braden and Aaron. I think you guys feel this living in the state of Tennessee, being around big orange fans as much as we are, I think they're buying in more than ever. I think the recruiting stuff, they're really drinking that Kool-Aid. I think the offensive line hype, they're really into that, probably for good reason. Um, Cheney, the progression year two, I think there's just a lot of hype and I think there's a lot of actual genuine buy-in because it's Philip Fulmer pulling the strings. It's not, it's not the John Curry, it's not the Mike Hamilton, it's not the Dave Hart, it's a Fulmer guy. But what if they get shellacked? I mean, what if they go into this game and get maybe 45 to 10 or something like that? Yeah. Then what are like, what do they do with themselves? Can they, can they function? Can they like, like what is a Tennessee fan going to do as they're walking about on Saturday night if they just get hammered this weekend? I mean, them scoring 30 points in each of the last two games isn't really helping the, the, um, some of the unjustified hype. Not saying for sure unjustified, but maybe over, over hype. And, and I don't, I want to be very clear to Tennessee people listening. I am not angry at Tennessee fans for being excited about their own team winning games. That's not what I'm upset about. So I, I'm upset at the, the media not serving those fans an appropriate amount of rationale. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? And sure. All the stuff you just said, Chris, I think is fair. All the stuff you're saying, Aaron, is fair. I, I, I have concerns about Tennessee's ability to go down there and win. I, I think Georgia is going to win 27 to 13. That's how Georgia's designed to win. I, that's what I think Georgia's going to do this weekend. Valid. And I think that's okay. Like, I don't think we're going insane and jumping off the Jeremy Pruitt bandwagon and no. mass numbers of 27-13 final score. 7-3 and three would be a spectacular year for a Tennessee team. With this opinion. schedule, absolutely. That would be a huge year. I agree. Right. That's an easy transition into Texas A&M because I talked to – we had Billy Lucci on the show from TexAgs.com last week, mm-hmm. and he told us that if Texas A&M went 7-3, and three, that there'd be no problems in College Station, none whatsoever. We all pointed at 2020, including everyone in College Station, about th- this Aggie team and Jimbo Fisher in 2020. They got the raw end of the deal with how things happened with the pandemic. Well, guess what? So did everybody else in the world. So deal with it. He doesn't think they'd be very upset, guys, if they went 7-3. and three. Now, 6-4, and four, he says – Aggie fans might feel different. I don't think getting blown out by Alabama is an indictment of who you are as a coach, because I think everybody's going to get blown out by Alabama by and large, but I don't know what to make of Jimbo Fisher because my only response to people is, I guess you need to be better at football. I, I don't, I don't know what else to say. And I know I just ripped on the media for being lazy, but like, what's the analysis on this? Like be better at football, Texas A&M. Like, I don't know what to say to them right now, honestly. It's, it's complicated. It is. And, and, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's very simple. You're getting paid $75 million over 10 years. It's your number three. I mean, fact, fiction, whatever, right, wrong, indifferent, you got to be better. 52 to 24 and an absolute non-competitive ass whipping is not good enough. You're three. This guy's getting paid seven. I, 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 well, I have people do the math for me. I think it's $700,000 per game. He's getting paid $700,000 in year three to get devoured like that, just to get absolutely kicked up and down the field by Alabama. And, and when he was hired by Scott Woodward, and I know Woodward doesn't, he doesn't have to claim it anymore. He's washed his hands of it. He's now the athletic director at LSU. And now this is a Ross Bjork issue. And, and by the way, he's not in any harm of getting fired. There's no 
fucking way they're going to pay that buyout. Absolutely no chance. If you think it, if you insinuate it, even at six and four, you're crazy. Nobody's going to pay that with the amount of money that he's getting paid in the buyout. I, I just, I can't see it. If you, if, you, if I'm wrong, uh, correct me on that. But I would just, in year four or three or whatever it is in a 10 year deal, there ain't no way in hell. But here, here's my thing with Jimbo Fisher. How can you in year three, year three at Texas A&M, just be Kellen Mond good enough? Like, how is Kellen Mond the best you can do? I mean, we've seen guys before, you know, be quarterbacks and be young guys and lose their jobs. I mean, Jalen Hurts lost his job as a starting quarterback at Alabama because somebody better came along. I mean, it happens, right? Like in three years time at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher as your head football coach, how in the living fuck can you not have anything better than Kellen Mond? <laughs> I think Kellen Mond is as average to be polite. I'll be nice to the young man as the day is long. And I think it's a, a massive problem, but that's the offensive side. What's up with Mike Elko? How in year three are you giving up 52 to Alabama? And I get it's Alabama, but you're getting paid to be Alabama. Like it's to a point where the contract is so, so huge that it's just like, this is the expectation. You're either that or you're not. You're either Saban or you're not. You're either you're either Dabo or you're not. And, and unequivocally, in year three, he is far behind. He is far behind. And I'm looking at it right now. Like, what are you paying for? You are drastically overpaying if that is the result you get. I mean, we saw a, an inept offense against a bad Vanderbilt team. Let's call them what they are. A bad Vanderbilt team. We saw it in Nept offense the very next week. They couldn't even make it a game in the third year with 16 starters coming back or whatever it is Athlon uh, told me in the magazine. It was something huge. So, is that a shot? It sounds like it. No, that's a shot. Not at all. Okay. I thought it, like you still do stuff with them sometimes, don't you? Yeah, or no? Yes, very much so. <laughs> well, it was actually that's why like it's a, a plug. Okay. No, it was a plug. Uh, buy it by an Athlon Sports magazine next April. <laughs> there was nothing shoddy about it, really. Shots are and you, plugs are sound closer it, than I thought they would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a very blurred line there. It's sort of like SEC fans. You can cross over from great fan to bad human being pretty quickly. Aaron, do you think Chris is enjoying the <laughs> podcast format where he can use words that he doesn't normally use? Yes, because he is absolutely capitalizing on that opportunity. I, I'd like to give a shout out uh, to my my wife's boss now at this point in the show. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you made it through all of our, our bad language. I think it's not really shocking me though, because I normally, when I talk to the two of you, it's not with a microphone in front of my face. So this feels normal. Go ahead. Try I've cleaned it. it up for you though, Aaron. So I think I've, I've done pretty you. good. I've, I've I think I've you. done, I've cleaned it up quite well. Don't say it's for me though, because it, you might be doing it for this podcast, but never have you ever filtered anything you've ever said to me. I mean, you're a lady, dude. I try to, you know, act accordingly. I try to act gentlemanly. No, only don't. like I was gonna five, say, you believe that? <laughs> no, you don't. Only like five to ten fuck drops, as opposed to like three thousand in ten minutes. That's you know, you're a lady. You haven't quoted, you haven't quoted Cartman yet. There's that, and and also we've mentioned two cows on the show, and we have not even talked about Cal yet. I would you know what's home weird? if he would quote Cartman because we watch Woodland Critter Christmas every Christmas I, Eve didn't love the pandemic special oh i haven't seen it yet don't don't it. tell don't do that to me don't we watch okay it don't do that to me i thought you would have seen it by now i didn't love it let's but go like ahead a, let's do like a we'll, we'll live stream watching it or something yeah. well can i can i we say like it don't, got don't ruin reviews. my time don't ruin my time it got not, not at all 
Well, like my, even my mom was saying it was really funny. <laughs> and um, my, it was like, she saw it somehow. And my sister and my brother-in-law and like all these people are going on and on about how great it was. Um, uh, one of my producers was saying it was like the best South Park ever. And I, I just think I've seen better ones. Wow. There's been so, I mean, you know, Brayden, we, you and I yeah, have watched yeah. a lot together. There's been so many epic ones. I still love that Jonas Brothers one from, you know, a million years ago. Uh, there's been a lot of good ones. I, I don't know if I put it in my top 10, I, but you'll enjoy it. I can't even I can't even begin to like rattle off top tens for South Park. It's just, just too and many. It's been them. on since we were kids. I mean, it's... Yeah. it actually got me through adolescence. I'm probably I'm I'm probably not overstating that. Like, I I look up to Randy Marsh as a father. That's what I want to be. <laughs> I want to be the integrity. I want to have integrity. <laughs> gotta, yeah. have, gotta have integrity. I want to parent my family with integrity. Oh my god, Aaron, do you have any actual exactly. comments about Texas A and M football? I mean, I feel like I was just gonna let y'all run circles because, as you said, it doesn't matter because they're not gonna buy him out, and they're gonna have a bunch of really cool new stuff after the season, no matter how they finish. So I just. I don't have a hot or a strong take on this because it doesn't matter. I, Chris is, well, we can, again, they're going to play Florida. I don't know if anybody's taking the, the line is actually fairly small. I think it's like six points. So I was a little surprised at that. I, I, I mean, I think A&M is better than what they showed against Alabama. I think Florida has some tackling issues. Kellen Mond put up some yards. You could argue that's garbage time. Fine. But they, they've got two good running backs. You know, they, they've got a quarterback who's played a lot of football. They could put up some points on Florida because Florida's giving up lots of points. So it, it's, you know, they've got some tackling issues, but I don't see AM stopping Florida right now. So I'm, I'm taking the Gators. I'm assuming you guys are as well, unless somebody's yeah. calling for the upset. But, but the bigger story is what to do with Jimbo Fisher. And I think you said it, Chris, like we could overcomplicate it, but at the end of the day, you don't spend $600 million to renovate facilities to, to, to finish in second and third place. That's in the contract. I mean, it's just been an right. all-in proposition, and he's just yeah. – they're not competitive in year three, which is sad. All right, let's 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 move on to Oxford, Mississippi, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know – Aaron and I were joking about this before we came on the air. And I don't know where the line is on what Lane Kiffin would do to beat Nick Saban. We, we mentioned sacrificing co-eds on the public square <laughs> in Oxford – and I'm not sure either, like either of us looked at each other and we were both like, no, we think he would do that. Like, what would he do to, to beat Nick Saban in public in the SEC as a coach of the Ole Miss Rebels? I don't know where uh, he would stop. Childers, you're weird and kind of demented. Maybe you should take this one. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but wouldn't it be something if he was the one that did it? It's not Jimbo. It's not any of the guys that, you know, the big well thought of, uh, guys, it's Lane Kiffin, you know, like the rogue renegade, the guy that got fired on the tarmac, the guy that, you know, was with the Raiders and, and pissed off the old man. I mean, just like, you know, Lane Joey Freshwater is hitting on the co-eds there in Tuscaloosa. Wouldn't it be amazing if that guy, that, I mean, really like a, a gigantic putz of a man is the guy that beats Nick Saban someday. What would he do? Well, let's put it this way. DJ Durkins is defensive coordinator. Oh, no. Um, he's hired Kendall Bryles. He's taken questionable player. I mean, I think he'd do whatever he's got to do. I think that's to me, Oxford, Mississippi is uh, honestly the wild, wild west. Now 
I think he what is was a guy. It before? <laughs> what was it before? Well, it was, you know, oh golly gee, shucks, wild, wild west. Oh, okay. It was, you know, hey, you know, let's let's uh <laughs> well, I'm not even gonna say you know yeah. what you freeze was. Yeah. And uh that's what it was. That, that's some Florida, winning, baby. Had some winning involved. Uh it also had gas mask bongs and you know, people falling out of hotel windows trying to avoid the cops <laughs> while getting high. That that happened a little bit as well. Um, but it's he'd do anything i think to make that program successful he's gonna do anything he can my prediction with Ole miss is he's gonna have success and it's gonna end very weird i think that i don't know when i don't know what year it's gonna be but i think it's gonna just gonna end very weird tell me i'm wrong i don't think you're wrong no i don't think so it's gonna be weird i think i can get on board with that statement for sure um saving thank you for the compliments though dude you're welcome for saying um, I'm weird and demented. Well, only only a demented person would take demented as a compliment. And honest, you can throw that in the. I mean, I don't take it as a compliment, but thank okay. you. Okay, um, <laughs> Saban was very very careful. As I mean, he tends to be um, to not say anything to really get Lane any more riled up for this weekend. He was very um, he nodded his head at Ole Miss like they give us problems. We need to be better before we take them on this weekend. He's they have a lot of skilled players. Their receivers are hard to cover. I mean, he was, I guess, maybe just trying not to poke the bear that he's not scared of. But wouldn't you guys just love Nick Saban to just be honest? That'd be cool. And just be, love like, them all to be honest. be like for having Alabama come into Oxford kind of reminds me of or to me would feel like if I was Lane or anyone on that team, when you or your friend throws some huge rager uh, when your parents are out of town, but then you find <laughs> out they're coming home early, except for your mom just got a brand new white couch and your friend threw up red wine all over it. So you're just sitting there waiting on them mm. to come back and you know, you're going to get in trouble and there's nothing you can do about it. That's how I think Alabama coming to Oxford must feel. I don't think I've ever seen red wine vomit before. I don't know. I don't what drink red wine. Like? I don't either. What does that look like, Aaron? It looks like what red wine looked like before <laughs> before it was you digested it. It does not change color upon digestion. Oh my god. I've seen I've seen vomit. Crimson. A lot of vomit. When's the last time you drank wine? Yesterday. Braden. I mean, I'm sure you were talking um, to Braden, but I don't know. Like every couple weeks, I'll have a glass. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Like not very often. Like very, very rarely. Not I would say at, years for yeah, me. Not even at nice restaurants either. What's your drink of choice, Childers? I don't drink alcohol that much. You act. How do like you stay sane, all the time sober? Uh, thanks. <laughs> the answer, I guess, is yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Aaron's got a food story for you. Do you want to hear that one, Chris? Before sure. we get more SEC football. Sure. This weekend was the first time I mentioned to you guys that I really remember getting to sit down, kind of sort of eat, enjoy myself, have a drink, because I'm used to either danced all through college and then worked every week. So I didn't really get to do that a lot. I remember <laughs> doing that Saturday. And then I remember doing that as a six-year-old at the spring game, University of Memphis. My dad's best friend was uh, like an expert smoker. It was barbecue fest. I'd never had any like barbecue related item. And I ran up to my, my dad after trying dry rub ribs for the first time. And I was like, dad, I ate four mm. ribs. And he was like, no, honey, you ate four slabs of ribs. <laughs> and I was probably weighed 50 pounds. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. I think my, I think my almost four year old can throw back 
a, like she she will eat two burgers. That's, really? I mean, that's impressive. Yes. She can eat some food, dude. My metabolism is My not as old as it once was. Will not eat meat. Good for her. It's smarter. She's already she plant based. She won't smarter. do it. What it's an icon. She, just, she won't. She naturally won't, won't eat it. She's she's a more evolved species than us, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Which we've tried. I mean, we've tried every meat there is. Don't force it on her. It's really not that good. Well, no. I mean, at this point, we, yeah. Years ago, we tried. So Lane Kiffin, um, (laughs) Lane Kiffin's second chin. I listen. I think they're going to score a ton of points. (laughs) I think they're getting a little. uh, I'm just saying. Here's the thing about Lane Kiffin that I love even more than his offense, and even more than Joey Freshwater, and even more than the tarmac and all the other stuff about Lane Kiffin. What I love the most about Lane Kiffin is how he can take a promotional like video or ad read and turn it into the most hilarious thing in the history of the world by doing nothing. By just being awful. Yeah. By just being himself. By literally being horrific. He's like, come out to watch Ole Miss. We're going to play football. And you're like, and you just start laughing at him. I don't, I don't know how he does it. If you were there, would you not like run up to him and check his pulse? <laughs> I know. To see if there's anybody really in there. How much volume have you Are you alive had today? Sir? The, Are you actually alive? Spending so much time behind the camera, I, it's hard for me to imagine that they didn't tell him to do it on purpose. Because if they didn't, you would absolutely take the time to say, I think we should do that again. Oh, no, I've Unless met it was on per, you know, I mean, I believe that it's real. That was real, take 10. It- that was the good, that was the high energy take. <laughs> it, it, that it was- makes- <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine though. That was high energy. You're, you're right though, Eric. Like if you are worth anything yeah. as a videographer, you're going to be like, uh, coach, can we do it with a little bit more gusto? <laughs> But you know those coaches don't want to do that stuff at all. Oh, no, of course not. They want to be there, get it over with. Some of them actually like take it seriously and get that it's a like liaison to their program. But, but they he's, go viral, so it doesn't it, it matter. Works it works for him, like, though. It works. It's I don't viral. know what it is. Nothing about him. Like if I had an eighteen-year-old son, nothing about that man is trustworthy to me. There is not a chance in hell <laughs> that I would send my son to go play for him. But somehow he gets people that do. And they can play football pretty well, apparently. I don't know if you're a wide receiver that has a tough time talking to girls. Like, I don't know. He might be the guy for you. He's got the freshwater tips. <laughs> he's, he's. <laughs> although, although, you know, in this game, we're talking about the other guy who we think has no personality at all and is out there selling Aflac for probably millions of dollars. <laughs> right? Like, It also works because he normally would never sign on for that and doesn't really care. It, that's why it the works. The paycheck has to be big enough. Yeah, it works because he's flat. It's like stepbrothers. Oh, God. Flat. There's going to be a thousand points in this game, and I can't wait, but I think Alabama wins by like 40. Yes yeah, no? I agree. I think they smoke them. All right, uh, real quickly here, Mississippi State and Kentucky, and I think this is a perfect example as we get a little bit more serious now on the show. I think this is a perfect example of how just every tiny little mistake you make in 2020 is magnified. And from week to week, you have no clue what you're going to get. And those two things alone, as a college football fan, make this season in the SEC more interesting and more volatile and more dynamic than ever before. And I don't think anybody's more of an example of that than Mississippi State and Kentucky. How do you run for 408 yards and six touchdowns on seven-plus yards per carry and lose a football game? <laughs> it's, it's hard to do. And I think those two, these two teams in this game, I have no clue what to make of this. Play zone, Mark Stoops, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's why I think they'll win. I mean, I think that's – I think you just said it. 
because Mark Stoops is a defensive guy and he's smart enough. Like, I, I don't know what Bo Pelini was thinking. What in his right mind was he thinking, thinking he could play that defense all night long and have any success playing man? Now, you saw Barry Odom, who's a defensive-minded guy who's very smart. He, he made adjustments, and they kept everything in front of him. And because of it, 600 yards got cut in half. And because of it, they won the football game for the first time in like 20-something tries in league play and finally got a big win. And Sam Pittman, it's a huge. I mean, he immediately started talking about recruiting. Like 10 seconds in, this win matters because blah, blah, blah. Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. You know what I mean? Like that meant so, yeah. so much. I, I just think, you know, uh, working with Coach Newheisel, and you know Newheisel's ties to the Pac-12 and to the state of Washington as the former coach of UW, he talks to me about this all the time. He's not a big Mike Leach guy. He thinks it's extremely simple. And he thinks the way you beat it is just what we've talked about. And you just go watch Chris Peterson. Just literally go watch Chris Peterson. They have a blueprint. Leach could do nothing against it. And it's what we've just been talking about. And Barry Odom did it. And I guarantee Mark Stoops will do it. Now, hopefully, you know, Terry Wilson doesn't have massive case of fumbleitis. If he doesn't, I think Kentucky wins the game. I'm sad. I wanted a Cinderella story out of Mississippi State and KJ Costello. I'm upset. Yeah. I'm Aaron, sad for you. Aaron's a big KJ Costello fan. Oh, yeah. She, well, he's, I mean, great kid. I mean, we, we all kind of fell in love with him in that interview with her at all after uh, the win against yeah. LSU. It, it's going to be a roller coaster in Starkville, Aaron. All, every single week, you have no clue what you're going to get. Did that's, you, but that's Mike Leach. You that's worked with is. Mike, right? Yeah, that's what he is. He, yeah. He is, he is what he is. He's got like, I don't know, he's got 15 years of coaching at the Power 5 level for us to look at evidence and be like, oh, here's the data that shows he's going to win eight games and then lose a bunch of other ones, you know? You'll have fun with it. I mean, you'll have some upsets. You'll beat teams that you shouldn't beat. You're going to lose the teams you shouldn't. Arkansas is his latest, but, like, he's – didn't he lose to Portland State two years in a row and win, like, ten games? It was you. Something crazy like that. Something weird. I mean, he's just – I've worked with him. I, I've been his colleague. Braden's worked with him. He's everything you think he is, and he's just – he's just – he's Mike. He's a swashbuckler. He's a swashbuckling something. Uh, Aaron, Chris and I – Chris good. and I used to have Mike Leach on the show when he was at Texas Tech when we were working <laughs> Rivals.com. Yes, we did. 15 years ago. Yep. And we would have him on, and we would not ask him about football. Ever. What'd you ask him about? Movies. I mean, he doesn't the, care about football. Do you remember he the does, wedding, the wedding like crashers? Football. Do you remember the wedding crashers? Yeah, crashers? when he would yeah. break down like their strategies and stuff. Yeah. We asked him like, "Hey, uh, what's what's the best movie you've seen lately?" And he started analyzing Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn's strategy for a plan of attack. Remember the Jackrabbits at, at a wedding? Yes, they got football playing Jackrabbits in West. <laughs> the rangy, rangy football he, playing Jackrabbits. Aaron, I'm not kidding. He literally, <laughs> yeah, the, not these regular jackrabbits. That was the best. Mike Leach would, he, he said he, he showed his team wedding crashers to teach them how to game plan. Yes. The more I hear about him, the quirkier he sounds. And I would not, I'm glad I wasn't on that interview with y'all because A, I was like seven and B, <laughs> I Thanks don't watch TV, so I wouldn't know what to say. You've seen wedding crashers though, right? Yeah, I saw that one time. It's a pretty good movie to only see one time. It's one of the great movies. I can't I sit mean, still that long. Like, this is hard for me right now. Jane Seymour, <laughs> fantastic in that movie. That's a great movie. It's fantastic. I know. I, th- I appreciate it. She's not just Isla Fisher, notch. Rachel McAdams. She's not just Vince Vaughn on the bedpost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. She's a great first movie. Asian. She was my first Asian. No Emma Watson, though, Childers. Big fan. I know. 
Huge. Uh, all right. Any other comments about a, an actual football game happening between Mississippi State and Kentucky? Either of you? I don't have any. Okay. Uh, Arkansas and Auburn. Uh, Gus Malzahn, of course, has lots of ties to the state of Arkansas, in case you didn't know. Uh, and Barry Odom did pretty good work, as we just discussed, for Arkansas. Is Arkansas actually okay at football? What is Auburn? I don't know. I still don't know. I don't think a lot of teams will go into Athens and, and play very well. So I don't really think there's a, a huge knock, just like not with a and I don't think there's a huge knock on Auburn with this. But what do you guys make of Auburn and Arkansas this weekend? Any chance for Sam Pittman to get number two? Is Auburn... No. Is Auburn okay at football? I think they're okay. I think Bo Nix needs a lot of development, but I think they're about two touchdowns better than Arkansas. I think they win the game comfortably this weekend. I think Arkansas is okay, though. Like, Arkansas is an okay football team, and, and considering a year ago they were complete dog shit, that's, that's pretty good. Like, to be okay, considering that they got beat, like, 45-17 to 17 to Western Kentucky with their old quarterback, Ty Story, uh, pretty significant. They hung in there for a half with Georgia. Uh, they just beat Mississippi State. So I don't think they're a bad football team. I, I still think Auburn, from a pure talent perspective, is probably a good 10 to 14 points better than them in this game. Aaron, okay, greater than dog shit? Agree? Disagree? Greater than dog shit. Okay. Um, I, I hate to go back, but did y'all see that tweet that uh... – <laughs> They put out about someone put out last time Arkansas won an SEC football game. Two had never started at Bama. Patrick Mahomes had never started a game in the NFL. Joe Burrow was at, at OSU, coached by Urban Meyer, and LeBron was a Cav. Congrats! Just amazing how a fake motorcycle crash <laughs> has completely ruined that program. A fake motorcycle. It's unbelievable. Crash. Why? A fake motorcycle crash. Well, there was never a motorcycle crash. Are, are you talking about what took place at somebody's house? Is that what you're referring to? Mm -hmm. There was never a motorcycle crash. Well, well you're on you the record, that, right? You're on, you're on the I, you're on the record, Chris. I'm not going to go on the record with this. I'm not on any record. I'm just saying I don't think there was a motorcycle crash. Okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, I'm just. I don't I, think. I, I allegedly agree with you, Chris. How about I will say on record? I allegedly, allegedly think. <laughs> Kind of, sort of, a little bit that there was not a motorcycle accident. Perhaps. All right, wrapping things up here, LSU, you know, Missouri. I really don't have anything to say about this game other than I think Connor Bazelak looks like the real answer at quarterback for Missouri. So at least they've got that maybe solved, sort of like, you know, Ken Seals for Vanderbilt. But LSU could quietly be pretty decent this year after all getting all the headlines for the wrong reasons in week one. Um, you know, they, they're the ones who got the scheduling break from the SEC, not Alabama this year. So I, I don't know. I think LSU is going to be one of those teams that's going to be seven and three and like a top 15 team at the end of the year. And we're all going to go, wait a second. Miles Brennan was okay this year. I, I don't know. I just think they got too many dudes to, to lose a lot of games. I think they win this game. I think I, Vanderbilt's such a great palate cleanser. They're like the cracker you have when you go to the Easy. wine tasting at Arrington Vineyards. Like you just a little cracker. That's Vanderbilt. Just get the bad taste out of your mouth cleanse it out. Uh, that's what they did. Miles Brennan got confidence. I, I just like their personnel a little bit better. So I, I, I mean, even though there's still a massive work in progress, a massive work in progress, I think they win this football game. Yeah. I, were we debating that? No, I, no, okay. not at all. I mean, yes. we're just talking. They win. Yeah, no, they, no, they, they win the football game for sure. I really don't <laughs> have anything else besides that. We're just chatting. There you have it. I like what? chatting with y'all. Would you, do you have any, do you, do you guys have any more questions for each other? Oh. I just want to know why she's so mean to me all the time. Childers, I'm not. I'm such she's a big, dedicated fan. Chris, am... she's like this to everybody. Don't worry about it. Okay. No. It's, Childers, you know how I feel about you. 
Love oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. You guys want me to leave? No. For a few minutes? I'd prefer it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sort of walked right into that one, didn't Thanks I? for being here, everyone. <laughs> Anything else? Sleep now. No. Anything else? Chris Childers, host of nope. Full Ride on ESPNU Radio, Channel 84 on Sirius XM. You can follow him on Twitter, at Childers Radio. A-, a man, a myth, a legend. He has many things. A gentleman, a scholar, an athlete. Anything else you'd like me to add to your... A great American. Byline? Fat, ugly. Don't do this, Childers. Uh... What else? What else am I? No, there's nothing. I'm good. All right. Any words of wisdom for our audience? Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> there you have it. Good night, Chris. Good night. All right. See y'all. Bye, Childers. I wasn't Bye, actually being mean to you. All right. Always a pleasure talking with Chris. Now let's get to our interview. Aaron Murray of CBS Sports, of course, former Georgia quarterback. Uh, as Chris alluded to there, five yards away from the national championship. Uh, also has his own podcast, Punt and Pass, of course, with Drew Butler, his former teammate. Uh, we had a chance to talk a little bit about the big Tennessee-Georgia game coming up. You'll hear from Aaron Murray when we come back. All right, Aaron, before we get into any of the, the football stuff, the important stuff, we got huge games this weekend in the SEC I've got to ask you two personal questions, if that's okay. Yeah, bring it on. If that's okay. Num- number one, you are the host of Punt and Pass, the podcast with Drew Butler. Why is it that Punt went first in the title? Drew's a, um, Drew's a little bit of a prima donna. You know, we always talk about quarterbacks <laughs> being a little bit of a, a prima donnas, and we are, but, you know, punters and kickers are the same way. So, you know, listen, Drew came up with the idea. So, of course, Punt goes before the pass, and – I do think it, it does sound a little bit better. I think the pass and punt podcast, <laughs> punt and pass does go a little bit smoother off the tongue. So that, I, I give fair. him that. I think, I think he did a good job, but um, yeah, it's, it's sticking. He brought it up. So I said, all right, fine. You're, you're the master. <laughs> you're the mastermind behind this entire uh, ordeal. So I'll give it, I'll give it to you. Well, very entertaining stuff. Make sure you check that out. Punt and Pass with Drew Butler and Aaron Murray. Rate, review, and subscribe, of course. We're big fans of rating, reviewing, and subscribing here on the 440 Sports Network, of course. Uh, and I will say this. Not a lot of running game in that podcast. You're just throwing it all over the place and then kicking the ball around. Like, you're not, you're not a lot of handoffs with you two. No, you know what the good thing is? At least there's been a lot of... Uh bad bad special teams play here early in the season so i'm just ripping him the shreds like what what is going up i mean i know where there's no spring ball and fall camp but you know offenses look pretty good defenses look you know doing their thing and the special teams for these teams right now is atrocious drew like what what the hell is going on here you know so maybe that's maybe this is my way to get things flipped and turn to the yeah. pass and punt podcast until the uh, until special teams are doing their job well, and you, you mentioned like special teams being quarterbacks being prima donnas or whatever. What's funny is that like Georgia sort of has this, they've got some kickers and punters with Rodrigo Blankenship with the, you know, with the music career and the glasses. Like he's got a whole, he's got a whole brand. Like there's some, there's kickers and punters, man, these days, they're, they're brands, Aaron. You got to let them shine a little bit. You do. And I, um, I love Rodrigo. He, 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 he did it right. I tell you what that kid, I mean, he took those glasses and, I couldn't turn on a Georgia football game without seeing at least 50 kids in the side or in the stands wearing the, the goggles and, you know, and even around my neighborhood, even on game days, I'd be walking the dogs if I was home on the weekend and there'd be little kids rocking Rodrigo's goggles around the neighborhood. I'm like, Oh my goodness, this kid, like whoever would have thought <laughs> I know. a punter would be the, uh, one of the best 
our most well-known guys on the football team, but um, they're a different breed specialists. They really are. I, I lived with a kicker in Kansas City for a while, and uh, it's it's they're just they they live a good life. You know, they they go, they show up, they sleep during meetings because they don't have meetings. <laughs> they kick for about two hours. Uh, and then they get to go home like at three or four and, and play video games and hang out. Or in Drew Butler's case, he went and golfed a ton. Uh, it was Cairo Santos, who was my roommate in Kansas City for a yeah. couple of years. And uh, they live a, a really good life. So I told my wife, because we have a, a, new, a new baby, three-month-old, I was like, he can do a couple things. You know, he can golf, which I'm all for golfing. Or he could be a specialist, preferably a punter. There's less pressure on a punter than a kicker. Uh, just not a quarterback. We, we just get ripped to shreds, both physically and mentally from the media. So uh, just stay away from, from that line of work. Well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, I don't think I've, t- I've spoken to you since you, you became a father. So congratulations on that. And I, can I ask you an honest, serious question? And if you don't want to answer that, that's fine. You can just sort of brush it off here because you did, you did just mention something. And my wife said the same thing to me right before we had our first child. We did not know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. Turns out it was a girl, but she, we were watching football that year, 2016, when my daughter was born. And she was like, I'm so glad it's a girl because I'm not sure I could let, let him play football. And, and I know you're joking around about, how, you know, punters have a good life and they do. Specialists have a good life and they do. Is there, has there been a conversation with the missus about, about whether or not, because you obviously played, it's been a, a huge part of your life. And, but your injury history was documented all the way back through high school with, with some of the injuries that you've dealt with. So again, if you don't want to answer, just tell me, but I'm oh, curious, yeah. have you guys had those conversations about whether or not he's allowed to play football? Well, he, listen, we, we, we've kind of made the decision that it, it's going to be up to him. You know, if he wants to play, we're going to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm not going to force him. Like, you know, at three years old, I'm not going to be like, here's a, here's a football, go throw it. I'm more the dad that's going to be like, here's a golf club, go hit some golf balls. It's kind of my, <laughs> my hope for him. But I, I just want him to be well-rounded. I just want him to do, you know, kind of what he wants to do, whether it's soccer, baseball. But I mean, for me, I, I played every sport. And football is actually the last sport I played. I, I had to beg my mom for years. And then finally, she let me play about midway through middle school. But I will say this, because I've talked to a lot of guys about this. And, and I was actually talking with a bunch of guys this weekend who have kids that are teenagers about when to play tackle football. And I'm in the belief that I would, unless you're a, you know, unless you know your kid's going to be an offensive line or de- defensive lineman, I would much rather my kid, who I don't think is going to be, even though he's, he's going to be a big kid, play flag football, you know, until maybe eighth grade or maybe even up to high school, you know, just learn the fundamentals of the skill position, the, the running routes, the throwing, the coverage, because when I watch Little League, football it's just a bunch of kids running into each other full yeah. speed that's all it is I mean they're just knocking the crap out of each other and like I said if, if you're maybe a running back or an offensive lineman defensive lineman you're learning how to be physical and, and maybe that kind of stuff is great but I would much rather much rather him, him if he is going to go the football route at some point play flag football see if he likes the game learn those skills and then come high school then and, and then move his way over to the, the tackling and learning that part of the football game but we, we both come to the realization that, that most likely He's going to want to play football and we're, we'll support him. And if he wants to do it, we'll, we'll, we'll guide him as much as he can. But I'm not going to be one of those crazy fathers yeah. going to be drilling him at four years old in the backyard, making him do dropbacks uh, until he perfects the five and seven step dropback. Aaron, I did, I did not have you on here at the show today to talk about parenting and, and life choices, but you never know what's going to happen on the fringe element. That's just what happens. All right, let's, let's get into what we saw this weekend and what we're going to see next weekend. And that is, a huge game between Tennessee and Georgia. Georgia, a dominating performance on Saturday evening against Auburn from basically the first snap of the game. As good a first 
quarter and second quarter as I've seen Georgia play. Now, the offense, I felt, and you can tell me what you think about this, I, I felt like I was seeing what Kirby Smart talked about all offseason, the evolution of the offense, modernization, whatever word you want to use, but still doing it with a, a guy in Stetson Bennett that fits maybe more into the traditional role. So what, what did you see from Stetson Bennett and what makes him so sort of poised? He's got a great backstory. And, and what is working with the system right now, in your opinion? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing that's working with the system is the fact that they're just, they're playing great defense. You know, that, that's, that's first. I mean, this team was built to play defense this year, to keep games pretty low scoring, uh, give their offense good field position. And then as we saw in the first game, you know, get a turnover, get some points on that side of the football. So I've been preaching it for, for weeks now and months now that this offense right now, even with Munkin as offensive coordinator and, and, and the whole thought of, okay, we're finally bringing Georgia out of the dark ages of, of offense. And, you know, we're going to be like LSU and we're going to be like Alabama and we're going to be throwing the ball over the ballpark. They don't have the personnel right now to do that. They've recruited big offensive linemen that are physical. They've recruited big old running backs like Zamir White. Uh, and they got bigger receivers on the outside. They don't have a lot of speedy guys that can take a bubble or a slant like you see these Alabama receivers and all of a sudden make a guy miss and take it for 70 yards. It's just not who they are as a football team. They're built to play great defense, run the football, dominate the line of scrimmage, dominate the clock, uh, and win football games like they did this past weekend, 27 to 6. I mean, that's how, that is who they are. So you know, for Georgia fans right now, they just have to accept that and understand that, hey, we're not going to be scoring 40, 50 points a game uh, against good football teams. It's just not going to happen until we bring that type of personnel in to go out there and do it. So I think Stetson is, is, is a great answer for what they're doing. He's going to take care of the football. He's accurate. He gets the ball out of his hands on time. I think he's sneaky, quick, um, and athletic. You know, you, we saw in this past weekend, free rusher coming off the edge. He's able to reverse out, throw on the run. Uh, so I think he could surprise some guys with his feet. Uh, he's not DeWan. He's not going to break a 30, 40-yard run consistently, but enough to move in and outside the pocket. Uh, and I thought the biggest thing was the offensive line. They, they, they had a huge step up from what they played like versus Arkansas week one to what we saw week two versus Auburn. They were dominant. Um, and you heard Kurt say the entire game on, on the broadcast, they were going right down the middle of Auburn's defense. They were play after play after play after play. Um, and Auburn just had no answers for him. So I think if Georgia can continue to do that, play great defense, run the football, and, and I was also really pleased to see someone besides George Pickens making some plays on the outside. Jackson, yeah. um, I thought, had a really good game, and, 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 and Demetrius Robinson's going to have to continue to step up. Fitzpatrick and, 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 and Landers, I want to see Landers step up a little bit more too. Uh, and then Darnell Washington, that big old tight end. So – Find ways to, to get the ball in the other guy's hands. But like I said, most importantly, this is going to be a slug it out type team this entire season. Yeah. And as a fan, you just got to accept it. So I, I guess my follow-up to that would be, I, I think Stetson Bennett, by, by the way, 20 of 29 against Arkansas coming off the bench, fairly efficient. Was, dude was absolute money on third down against Auburn. Like he, he clearly is capable. Uh, but there's also a reason that he was a walk-on that went to junior college that came back and was fourth string like a month and a half ago. And so I think he's capable of, of being the starter all year and probably winning a lot of games. The question is, is can he beat Alabama? Can he beat Florida? Can he win an SEC championship? Is he that good? Or do you think there's a, a next tier for this offense that, that Kirby's going to like that, that Kirby will be faced with that question at some point? See, I mean, that's why I kind of had the issue with, 
with Dwan getting pulled so early? Because I think Dwan's potential is is extremely high. Like I think Dwan's a guy that you kind of just, you know, suck it up early in the season. Once again, you have to find a way to run the football, play great defense, but he's someone that is going to get better and better throughout the season. And nothing against Stetson. I love Stetson. I think Stetson's a great kid. I think Stetson's a great football player, and I think Stetson could be the guy uh, to lead Georgia to a ton of victories this year. I just think, like I said, the ceiling is a lot higher for Dewan. Uh, and if you look at him and, and what he can do, not only this year, but in the future. So I, I do think Stetson – gives them an opportunity to win a lot of games because like I said, he, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to get the ball up his hands. Um, he's not going to take sacks. And, but I just don't think this team right now is going to be able to win games if they have to score 40 plus points. I mean, and we look at teams that are going to have to face this season, Alabama, Florida. Uh, and then if you do win the SEC championship, most likely you have to play Alabama once again, um, in December, and I just don't know if 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 Alabama's scoring forty plus points and Florida's going to score forty points, uh, you're not going to. I just don't think you're going to win that game. So, but at the end of the day, Georgia has the best defense in the country. There, there's no question about it. If you watch those guys on that side of the football, they're fast, they're physical, they're great at every single level. So I don't think Alabama and Florida are, are necessarily going to score forty points on them. Um, but still, if those teams score thirty something points. I just don't know if Georgia has enough muscle on the offensive side of the football to compete and, and keep up with those guys and, and be able to score 30-plus points. You just alluded to the defense a little bit, just sort of talent and athleticism on every level. There's no question about it. They're going to face one of the best offensive lines in America this weekend in, in Tennessee. This is a group that is just four- and five-star dudes everywhere. They mauled Missouri 51 rushing attempts last week. And if you're going to challenge Georgia's defense, I think you have to – you almost have to start with one of the better offensive lines in America to even sort of have a chance. And certainly Alabama, Alabama has that. We're not sure yet about Florida, but Tennessee does. I don't know what else they have. The receivers have made some plays and the quarterback has been at least from a decision-making standpoint, very uh, in tune with what Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator wants him to do. And they've got some really nice backs. Here's my question as a quarterback, you, you see looking at Georgia's defense from a quarterback's perspective, what Jarek Garantano is going to have to see what is it about Kirby Smart's scheme? I know they got dudes, right? Like, I know they got freakoids everywhere. The, the question is, what is it about the scheme that makes it so difficult that's going to challenge Jarrett Garantano this weekend to, into making, you know, the right decisions or, or the wrong decisions? I don't think it's much scheme. I think it's more for anything for Georgia, just personnel. I mean, they, they just, like I said, they, they, there's not many weaknesses on that football team. I mean, you got – Big physical guys up front that are able to get after the quarterback. You got some great linebackers that can run in space, uh, and, and and probably one of the best, some of the best secondary guys uh, in the game. I mean, they got a long, lanky corner on the outside that can match up with tall receivers. So, I just don't think at the end of the day, it's it's not always about the scheme. I mean, Kirby's going to put those guys in the best position to go make plays. It's just it's it's the dudes over there. I mean, they're just a bunch of big, fast guys that make plays they don't miss tackles uh and then they're great in one-on-one coverage i mean if you want to play man on third and short i feel very comfortable with that defense going out there and matching up against anyone in the country right now so um you know what what do we always say it's not always about the x's and o's it's about the jimmies and joes and and right now the jimmies and joes on that defense side of the football are 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 really darn good like there's no weaknesses so it's going to be an interesting matchup this weekend because i do like what tennessee is doing offensively um, it was a huge addition, obviously adding Cade Mays to an offensive line that's already really darn good, but they're big at physical up front. There, there's no question about it. Tennessee wants to run the football. 
Um, and I was breaking down their game yesterday. Um, and there was multiple times you'd turn it on and at the 40 or 50 yard line, they have seven offensive linemen in the game. <laughs> they, 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 they're just like, listen, we're going to put all of our big boys up and we're just going to pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it and run the football. And this is going to be, this game this weekend is going to be an old school game because like I alluded to Georgia wants to run the football. They understand that. Listen, we have to run the football. We have to rely on the running game and then maybe take some shots from there. And that's the same thing Tennessee's going to do. They're going to run, 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 play action pass, and then see if they can take some shots over the top. Uh, but I do love the way that Garantano has progressed this season. He looks 10 times more comfortable in the pocket. He's taking care of the football. He's made some tremendous throws on some very difficult throws over the middle, uh, some deep crossers coming from right to left and left to right. Uh, so really love what he's doing in year two under Jim Chaney. Uh, and they're finding some playmakers on the outside too. Josh Palmer's done a great job. Brandon Johnson. Uh, and then they're running the ball well with Chandler and Gray in the backfield. So this offense uh, with that offensive line kind of leading the charge right now is a very physical football team that can make plays both on the ground uh, and through that play action afterwards as well. So I think this is going to be a fun football game. I really do. It's going to be what defensive line shows up and kind of yeah. puts their big boy pants on and it's going to be able to stuff the run a little bit more than the other team. And I think that right, you nailed it right there. And we'll end on this because I don't think Tennessee's defense will stop Georgia's running game. I think Tennessee's got the ability. Very few teams have the ability to run the ball on Georgia. I think Tennessee could do it a little bit. I, I do not see – I my biggest concern if I'm a Tennessee fan is Tennessee's front seven and their inability to potentially stop that big physical Georgia offensive line. If they can do what they want, then I think you're looking at, you know, 27-13, you know, 24-13, that kind of thing, just like the game you're talking about, but maybe a little bit better offense because Tennessee can, can run the ball a little bit. But that, that's how – that's my biggest concern if I'm a Tennessee guy. Yeah, I mean, you go back to Missouri this past weekend, and I thought Missouri – with a freshman quarterback, um, Connor Basilak, I think that's his last name. I think thing. that's right. I think you nailed it, actually. Yeah, he actually looked pretty darn good. I mean, that kid, I'm watching him. I'm like, why was he not the starter? He just looked smooth. <laughs> he looked calm. Yeah. He was making some crazy good throws throughout that ball game. Uh, but they were able to move the ball up and down the field, especially when he took over at quarterback against Tennessee. I know that you look at the scoreboard, you're like, are you kidding me? They didn't score many points. But they were able to move it. They just couldn't capitalize when they got in the red zone. So, yes, I agree. I think Georgia's going to be able to move the football. Um, so, yeah, Georgia, Georgia wins this game. I, 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 listen, Jeremy Pruitt's doing a great job. This team has a ton of momentum going back to last year. They finished the season off strong. They won their first two games this year. I mean, they're feeling good. They're confident. And maybe you're going to see that confidence carry over into the first and second quarter of the ball game. But I just think overall Georgia's just a better team. They got better dudes. Yeah. Um, and I just think right now they're going to be a little bit too much for Tennessee to handle. But let's not get it wrong. Tennessee's a good football team this year. A lot better team than we've seen these past couple of years. They're going to be able to compete, and, and they may win some games they're not supposed to uh, against some big boys throughout the season. Aaron, always a pleasure, man. Congratulations on, on fatherhood. You got CBS. You can catch them on CBS Sports. You can catch them on SiriusXM, ESPNU Radio, of course, as well as the podcast with Drew Butler, Punt and Pass. Rate, review, and subscribe. Check all that stuff out, man. It, it's fun to have Tennessee, Georgia feel like it means this much this early in the season, 230 CBS game. It's just going to be fun, man. And I, and I enjoy it this weekend and, and have a good time. And, and we do appreciate you, bud. Appreciate it. See you. That was Aaron Murray from CBS Sports, of course, as well as the Punt and Pass podcast. 
with he and Drew Butler talking all things football in the SEC, Georgia, etc. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Dugan, of course, here in the outro. Uh, do you have any reaction to chatting with Chris Childers this evening? First, it's him and Drew Butler. Oh, sorry. It's fine. What did I say? He. He and Drew Butler. Him and Drew Butler. With him. You said the podcast with him. It should be him and Drew Butler. Oh. I don't want to. I don't. I'm sorry. No, I think you're right. Yeah. I have a grammar thing. It's, it's bad. okay. It's okay. My brother does that to people all the time. And I like it when he does it to people and I'm around him. The problem is that he has rubbed off on me and now I do it to people. Mm-hmm. The L-Y is the big one. I always correct people with the L-Y. I always add the L-Y when people say it incorrectly. Right. And it's my brother's fault, actually. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to say it because if I didn't do it out loud, I was going to do it in my own mind, and then it would just feel like it lacked transparency. You wouldn't be being honest with yourself. I'd be bad I'd be bad mouthing you to myself, and I <laughs> I try to do it to people's faces yeah, yeah, instead. Yeah. You, and you'd be betraying your own brand. Correct. Which is to call me out on all the things that I do wrong. I need to have a consistent brand. It's true. Love Childers. He makes me laugh. I haven't been around the both of you in a very long time. So even though it was virtually, it was a treat. He is an interesting cat. <laughs> and we've known each other for a very long time. And we've always wanted to be able to use bad words. I know. And about the SEC. You gave him a long so. resume of what he does and how you guys know each other. It was funny that you neither of you ever mentioned that you actually are friends outside of all of those things. Weren't you in each other's wedding? Yes, we are. Um, I, I don't know what friends do in 2020, though. I don't know what friendship is. I don't know. Like, I don't know who friends are. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I'm going to a concert, Aaron. I'm just going to I'm just going to transition. I'm going to a concert. Yep. Really? Yep. A socially distanced CDC guidelined concert. That's going to make wife. you happy. Yes. Oh, my God. With my wife and her sister and, another, and a buddy. And there's six of us in a pod and we're staying in a pod together. We can't go anywhere. But in a social, imagine putting on, just think about this. Hey, Aaron, I want you to put on your calendar a social event with your friends, not in your house. Think about how good that would feel. Great. And you have one planned. I do. When is it? This weekend. Really? Yeah. Sunday evening, we're going to go watch uh, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit play. I knew it was going to be a Jason Isbell thing. At the Caverns. He's playing at an outdoor venue in the middle of Monteagle, Tennessee, which is like the middle of nowhere. You better start working on rebuilding up your social skills in the next five days. No. Because you don't have to be with anyone, really. No, it's just within our pod. It's great. But, like, just think about planning a social outing with friends. How much fun that feels like. I can't remember. It's been fun. Anyway, uh, he's got a small child, a six-year-old. I've got two small children. We don't see each other a whole lot. But, uh, yes, I I would call him a friend for sure. We used to take road trips to every single every single year. We used to go to a big football game every year, and that that ended a while ago. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be back. Yeah, one day, one day when they're all teenagers and they hate us. Keep us posted. I'm happy for you. <laughs> yes, if we're all still around. <laughs> what do you got going on this weekend aside from watching SEC football? Nothing. Nothing. And I'm fine with it. You are getting older. I know. Welcome to the 30s. It's weird. I go in these weird waves of like being fine with doing nothing and then wanting to travel. And there's really no need for social in between those two things. Like I want to be home or I want to be on a plane somewhere that's not my home. As a father of two small children, I totally agree. 
I don't have kids that I would be flying away from. I just or with. I like I just remember what my wife and I used to do when we didn't have more things. Those humans running around all the time, which was travel. Yeah. And it was fun. Those what happens the, those when you're wildly days. single. It's great. Those are the days. Uh, at the under at hang on <laughs> at the Aaron Dugan on Twitter at Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. You got it, Brad. Wildly single, she says, folks. <laughs> oh wildly God, I single. <laughs> Oops. And by the way, last note here on the show for those of you who have been sticking around to listen to this much crap. <laughs> I feel bad for them. The reviews to get me to do a drunken rant. I have one comment. <laughs> There were lots of them, and I love you all. But I don't think they were all authentic and real. Why? <laughs> and I'm not going to do a drunken rant for a bunch of people that are not going to listen to the show. I'm not going to do it. I'm You're only going to do it. You're trying to weasel your way out of no, it. No, it's not. I don't. Dude, get drunk and talk about football. Sign me up. Okay? You don't have to twist my arm if I didn't have you know, kids we and a wife to worry need, about. We do need... We do need our normal day-to-day listeners to leave reviews. Right. Because I will do it. I have no problem doing it. I will do it. But I want to do it for people that truly want it. And deserve it. Exactly. See, you right. get it. Right, I do. You get it. Um, I do just want to have 50 reviews because I feel like I'm gonna have more we're gonna have more leverage that way, but I would like them <laughs> to be people that really have earned this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and if you're gonna do a, a, a you know, a review of my review loaded on eggs benedict the next morning i think it should be for people that really want it agreed it's extra work for me too exactly. but i won't be hungover See? so we can make that we can make that arrangement we can tack that on to the addendum now i have to be clear-minded to digest it okay. all all right well thank you guys for listening rate review and subscribe you can follow her on twitter at the aaron dugan at underscore god damn it it's at, at, at aaron underscore dugan you can follow me at Braden gall thank you for listening to the fringe element on the 440 sports network Enjoy your weekend of SEC football, everybody. Thank you.